Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, Knoll Nation. This is episode five of the Believe in FSU Football Podcast. My name is Chris Sharp here, and this is Believe Podcast Network, the number one sports podcast network on the internet. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Luminary, Google Play, and the TuneIn app. Also, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at underscore Chris Sharp underscore and use the hashtag BelieveFSU. And this is the Miami preview. Yes, Miami Hate Week has arrived. The hurricane is coming to Tallahassee. The hurricanes are coming. And it's a 4-4 four and four matchup. FSU is 4-4, four and four, so is Miami. And we're going to see who's going to be above 500 this week. So not only is it a huge rivalry game, but it's a critical ACC matchup because both teams are trying to finish the season strong. And this game right here, this is for all the marbles. This is just for pure hatred, rivalry week from the 80s and the 90s through the 2000s and even now heading into 2020 Florida State and Miami have been the number one premier rivalry the top matchup almost every season over the past several decades and this is a big matchup as well because it involves recruiting too Florida State will have a lot of recruits here and this game if the Knowles can win will really help secure their signing class and help bring a lot of players on board who might be a little bit hesitant about the whole Willie Taggart era they want to know can Willie bring things home can they actually win, and will they succeed, and will this program grow? And so on this episode, I'm going to bring in my buddy, Dylan Goldman. He's down in Miami. He's a local down there, and he knows all things about the Hurricanes. And I'm going to bring him on the show, and he'll give some insight and knowledge into what the Hurricanes had this season. What do the Hurricanes bring on offense? Let's start a quarterback. There's been a lot of turnover throughout the season. So who is going to start this weekend, and what do they bring to the table? Yeah, Chris, uh, there's been a lot of turnover. Uh, they, they had this issue last year where they're kind of have a, revol- a, revol- a revolving door quarterback, and it's kind of been an issue again this year. They started the year with Jerry Williams, a quarterback, redshirt freshman. Uh, he did great against Florida, considering the circumstances, got sacked 10 times, but redshirt freshman, hostile environment against the number 18 in the country, uh, threw for over 200 yards, had a couple of touchdowns, and really put Miami in position to win the game. He did the same thing against North Carolina on the road. Uh, then they had a couple cupcake games, and then all of a sudden they uh, they play Virginia Tech in October uh, to begin the month. Uh, he throws three interceptions in the first quarter, and we kind of really haven't heard from him since. He had a mysterious shoulder injury, which uh, we had about a million different answers about. Uh, so in for him stepped Nikosi Perry, who uh, was pretty decent, uh, was pretty good against Virginia Tech when they were down 28 zip. Uh, but overall, he was kind of mediocre. So they're going back to Jaron Williams uh, this Saturday. Uh, so Williams started the first four, actually started the first five games, uh, and has been out about the last four. So uh, he he showed, in my opinion, he showed a lot of promise at the beginning of the year. I think he kind of got an unfair shake because uh, he kind of got benched based on the fact that he threw three interceptions in one quarter, which obviously isn't good. Uh, but I think he did great in tough situations at Flo- uh, or against Florida uh, in Orlando uh, and at North Carolina. So uh, I, I think. Uh, He'll uh, put Miami in a good position to win on Saturday. Excellent. So, would you say that Williams is more of a he's more of a, a drop back passer? Or does he offer a dual threat element as well? Uh, he, he was he was more talked about in high school as a dual threat option, but 
I think he's more of a, a kind of a drop back guy. He doesn't really offer uh, much in terms of speed. I think he's he's a pretty mobile guy, but he's not really uh, a guy you would uh, you know uh, want to run around out there. He's more of a guy that sits in the pocket and kind of lets lets things develop. Uh, his deep ball still developing, but he's what one thing he uh, really did well was uh, uh, accuracy. He had over seventy percent or at seventy percent completion percentage uh, up until around he got benched. So he really offers a really a really solid uh, accuracy, especially for a redshirt freshman. Again, still developing that deep ball, but overall I'd say he's a, a really solid pocket passer, uh, and that, that's kind of where he sits right now. Then I, uh, looking back in the Florida game, I remember he kind of struggled taking a lot of sacks. Has he improved on that since the first game, or is he still kind of struggling with taking a lot of yeah, negative that, plays? Yeah, that, that's kind of been a, a, a big issue for the whole team. Uh, that game, they had, they took ten sacks. That was kind of a combination of a young offensive line, uh, a very good Florida defensive line, and Williams. I mean, Williams made some freshman mistakes. He he, his problem has really been getting rid of the ball. He's really uh, had problems holding onto the ball too long, and um, we really haven't seen him. Like I said, in about a month or so, he only got a drive or two in the pit game on Saturday. So that's one of been one of his biggest issues has been. Uh, getting rid of the ball, but that's also kind of been a whole team issue because the offensive line, they started a couple freshmen. Uh, they've had some turnover there. They, they actually, offensive line, only allowed two sacks to pit on Saturday who had came into that game with the most sacks in the nation. So uh, you can only hope, uh, at least from Miami's standpoint, that they're improving in that point. But definitely Williams' biggest issue so far has been uh, – uh, knowing when to get rid of the ball or not, especially with what's been a pretty leaky offensive line. And speaking of the offensive line, moving up to that position, up front, is it more of uh, is it the tackles that are the weakness, or would you say it's the guard-center combination? I would say it's more of the tackles. Those have been really areas where there's been really freshmen starting, especially left tackle Zion Nelson. Uh, no disrespect to him. He came in as a, as a, like, as a two-star recruit. Uh, and worked his way, worked his, uh, he worked his butt off in camp. He earned the starting job game one, but he's, he's really shown, uh, signs that he's, he's young. He's a freshman. That's really been the area of concern. They've had, uh, a lot of turnover, uh, on the offense line. Really, honestly, even, uh, some of the, you know, four or five star guys like Navon Donaldson have been, have been kind of in and out of the lineup. So they've really been trying to shake it up, but really the biggest area of concern has been the tackle position, uh, especially left tackle, the blind side spot. I said, uh, uh, the young, the young freshman Nelson's had trouble kind of getting acclimated, but, uh, the hope for him obviously is that as he gets more game time, game experience against ACC opponents, uh, that, that he'll live up to what he showed in camp. But yeah, it's really been the tackle position so far. That's, that's been the cause for concern. All right, sounds pretty interesting to me right there up front. It's kind of a, it, it, really interesting just because Florida State's also struggling up front too. So it's kind of a, it's kind of interesting to see how both teams are uh, kind of dealing with that and kind of playing around their O lines. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's definitely. Uh, I mean, it's really uh, interesting because the teams really. I mean, are dead even really in every year. I mean, they're both four and four. Uh, they both enter a pretty similar conference record. So, I mean, they, they, it's really going to be a dead even matchup. Mm-hmm. Then moving on to the skill position players, so at running back and wide receiver, who are the impact guys, and are they, like, are, who is going to make the theoretical game-winning catch, kind of what happened in Tallahassee two years ago? <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, we, all, we, we always love uh, uh, rehashing those memories. The, the receiver group's an interesting group for Miami. It's been a little bit of a disappointing group this year because they, they entered with a lot of uh, highly rated players. Mark Pope was a four-star coming out of high school. Brian Hightower was a four-star. He actually entered the transfer portal. Uh, Jeff Thomas, uh, I'm sure, uh, has really made uh, 
his rounds by now when last uh, winter he was going to Illinois and then he came back to Miami, but then was going to Illinois and then came back. He's been suspended the past two games. So there, there's a lot of issues with him right now when he's playing and when his head's right. He's a really good player. Overall, um, the receiver rooms had a lot of turmoil, but two guys that have offered a lot of consistency are K.J. Osborne, who is a transfer from Buffalo. Uh, 418 yards, five touchdowns. He caught the game winner against Pitt on Saturday. He's a senior. He's had a couple of drops, but overall he all, he really uh, seems to be the guy, that guy that makes the big catch really when you need him. And also, uh, he's not a receiver, but Brevin Jordan is regarded as at least the top three tight end in the nation by most everyone. Uh, really, really really good for who he uh, as a sophomore 447 yards and two touchdowns on the year um uh he's really really a stellar tight end i think he's gonna he's gonna have a future playing on sundays so that's who i'd say uh, you're gonna look out for in the receiving game but jeff thomas to me is a very interesting player because he has all the talent in the world but it just seems like he has trouble staying on the field so We'll see if he can make an impact on Saturday, but I would say look out for Osborne and Jordan. So, would you say the tight end is kind of like a David and Joku clone, or does he have a little bit of a different style? Yeah, I mean, Miami, uh, uh, I might be a little biased over here, but I mean, tight end you would be a good way to describe that. I mean, you've had Greg Olson, you've had David and Joku, Chris Herndon, Clive Walford. There's been a lot of uh, tight ends that have come out of Miami. I, I would say Njoku's a, a pretty pretty good comparison. Uh, Jordan's a physical guy. He's uh, really hard to bring down like Njoku was. Really solid hands like Njoku. I mean, overall, I, I'd say they're pretty similar. But yeah, Jordan's about as good as it gets, and uh, uh, Miami's lucky to have him. And oh, just to clarify on Jeff Thomas, is he still suspended, or is he good to go for this weekend? He, he, is, he is back on Saturday. Yeah, he was out for the uh, Georgia Tech game, then the Pitt game, but he, he's back this Saturday. Hmm. Very convenient. I'm just messing around, but <laughs> that's interesting. Okay, back from Florida State. And then at running back, uh, who are the impact guys, real quick? Running back is running back's a nice position for Miami right now. They're getting uh, DJ Dallas back, a junior, 486 yards and six touchdowns on the year. Uh, even with a really, really rough offensive line, Dallas has found ways to get yards uh, and to make an impact there. So he's back from injury on Saturday. Uh, I think he's definitely also got a future on Sundays. And then also Cameron Harris has been a nice surprise for Miami this year. Uh, highly rated sophomore running back. Stepped in for Dallas the past couple games. He's got 342 yards and three touchdowns. So they've got a little bit of a dynamic deal going there in the backfield. So Miami's got some options there, especially uh, when the uh, pass protection is laying them down. Excellent. That's a solid offensive preview. So let's go on to the defensive side of the ball. Up front, what's the strength? Is it that D tackle on the edge? And how can they contain Cam Akers? The defense has been interesting. I mean, the last couple of years under Manny Diaz, it was it was what my what uh, made my my I mean, a couple of years ago when the turnover chain was all the rage, defense was getting turnovers left and right. They're getting sacks left and right. They've been a little bit different this year in terms of that. They haven't had the same success. They lost a lot of players to the NFL last year, but. Um, like a couple weeks ago against Virginia Tech, they were put in a, a lot of rough situations, but they gave up 42 points. Uh, again, they were the Jaron Williams three interception game didn't help that at all. Uh, and then last a uh, couple weeks ago against Virginia or Georgia Tech, excuse me, was was not their finest hour against especially a team like Georgia Tech, who's let's be honest, not very good. Uh, they had 29 missed tackles, which really is not characteristic of uh, Miami's defense over the past couple years. So they've been a little inconsistent, but they, they still have a lot of the key tenants that have made them what, what, uh, what they've become over the past couple of years. Uh, basically, up front, what a, a revelation has become is Gregory Rousseau. He's a redshirt freshman. He has eight sacks on the season, and he didn't uh, really become a starter until a couple weeks ago. 
So he's definitely someone that I would uh, watch out for if you're a Florida State fan. And then really the key tenant for Miami's defense has been uh, their senior linebackers. They've been uh, kind of the true. They've started at Miami since they got on campus as true freshmen. Uh, Shaq Quarterman, Michael Pingney, and Zach McLeod's the other one, but he's going to be registering for next year. So Romeo Finley stepped in at the striker position. Uh, those three guys are the top three out of four on the team in tackles. Uh, with Quarterman leaning with 63, so that that's kind of the, that's kind of where the defense starts and ends. Those guys are the heartbeat of the defense. But I definitely want to mention Rousseau because he's been absolutely spectacular uh, for redshirt freshman. But um, real quickly, when you mentioned about Acres, that that's really my biggest concern because Florida State's quarterbacks they've kind of been in and out like Miami's have, but Cam Acres has been there all year. I think I saw he's almost at a thousand yards, even as we're just getting to November. So considering Miami missed tackles was an issue a couple weeks ago. That, that, that's going to concern me, but I just mentioned some of the key tenants on the Miami defense, and I, I think they can hold up well enough, but they've definitely shown some inconsistencies this year, which which could be a concern, uh, especially against someone like Akers. And Akers by himself is already a, a beast, just kind of breaking tackles-wise, because the O-line a lot of times like kind of gives penetration up, but he manages to break a lot of tackles. And then last weekend, the wild cam, him at quarterback, was introduced so I'll be. It'd be very interesting to see how Miami defends the the wild cam formation, whether it's Cam Akers handing it off, keeping it, or even throwing it. Yeah, that that'll be very interesting. Yeah, no, he's he's gonna be someone that's gonna uh, keep uh, the defensive coordinator Blake Baker up at night because, like I said, it was only a couple weeks ago they had twenty nine missed tackles, and that was that was really uh, a rough uh, day for the Miami defense. So we'll see how they respond to that. Then in the secondary, uh, at safety and corner, who are some of the guys that are really going to step up? Or are they kind of the turnover, you know, the turnover chain? Are they going to be getting a lot of interceptions? Do they make a lot of plays and force fumbles? Who are the impact guys back there? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a young secondary. They lost three guys at the NFL last year. They lost safeties, uh, Sheldrick Redwine and Jaquan Johnson, and then cornerback Michael Jackson, uh, the king of pop back there at, uh, at cornerback. They lost three uh, key starters there. So it's been it's been a bit of a... Um, a bit of a transition year for that secondary. Uh, Gervin Hall Jr. at cornerback has been a very nice surprise. He's at 47 tackles on the year. But really, honestly, uh, the the interceptions and the fumbles that kind of were a staple of the Miami defense the past couple years really haven't come naturally because the ball hawks like Johnson, like Redwine, uh, have left. Uh, so it's, it's a relatively new, it's a young secondary uh, one interesting guy is Al Blades Jr., of course, uh, 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 son of the son of Al Blades, uh, one of the legendary Hurricanes of uh, uh, the past couple decades. Uh, he's stepped up at cornerback because Miami entered the year only with five scholarship cornerbacks, so he's been a nice surprise stepping up kind of uh, as that second corner. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, it's going to be interesting. I actually want to issue correction. I said Gervin Hall was a uh, cornerback is actually safety. So him back there, he's been kind of uh, – a reliable guy when it's been kind of a it's been a year of turnover for that secondary so ultimately the turnovers really haven't come as naturally as they used to but there's still a couple guys back there that uh that have proved reliable for miami all right gotcha there so uh moving on to special teams now oh, you, you, usually florida state is the one in these games screwing up in special teams with the wide lefts and the wide rights <laughs> so how is miami's kicking game this year will we see any fluctuation on their end uh, Chris, I, I, I unfortunately wouldn't be shocked if the, one of those uh, wide rights, wide lefts uh, happened to Miami this year. It's been a total, total, total uh, horror, sh- horror show at kicker. Uh, they started the year with Bubba Baxa, 
uh, as as their main scholarship kicker, and it's just been totally a roller coaster since he's missed. I, it's just been an absolute total disaster there. Uh, he got benched a couple weeks ago for walk on Turner Davidson, and he was kind of a, a folk hero for the Miami fan base because. Uh, he made a couple kicks, but they weren't any more than like 18 yards. But the Miami fans were just thrilled to have someone make a kick. But then he missed a couple kicks against Georgia Tech. So Miami's now used three kickers on the year. Um, so you have a back-to-back. So he's only at 50% uh, on the year on field goals. He's 5 of 10 from there. He's missed two extra points. Uh, so Miami's main scholarship kicker uh, has missed a couple extra points. He's missed five field goals. So he's been totally unreliable. Uh, and really, I was, I was talking about it. This all kind of came at its ugly head a couple weeks ago in Georgia Tech. Uh, back to the field goal in the fourth quarter. Uh, wasn't even close and then Baxa uh, uh, he's just totally inaccurate so if Miami if they're in a situation where they're going to have to kick a game winning field goal uh, I I bet you a lot of Hurricane fans are going to have some heart issues because it's been a real it's been a real struggle this year well I think well I think it might come down to a field goal honestly it's I think it's gonna be a close game personally Uh, just to wrap up what's your uh, final score prediction you know I trouble the past couple days coming up with how I feel about this game. I, I just, I, I think these games are always close. Last year, uh, it was a one-point game. A couple years ago, it was, I think, a three-point game. It really doesn't matter what the records are. There was a couple times in, in the, in, I think, 2013 and 2016 when Florida State was uh, at their height with Jimbo Fisher and Miami was, you know, in the doldrums of Al Golden and kind of the beginning of the Mark Richt era. They made it a field goal touchdown game. So it really doesn't matter, and especially now that both teams are 4-4. Four and four, I think it's gonna, it might be as close as ever. I'm going to say I, I'm going to pick Miami 20-17. to 17. I just have a feeling something in that pick game last week kind of changed the whole tenor of the season. I, I think they proved to themselves that they, they, uh, they really couldn't get anything going on offense all game, but they're still bouncing on defense to stick with it and then ultimately win the game. And I think Jerry Williams truly gives them the, the best option at quarterback to win. I, I just I just have a feeling something changed in that pit game. But honestly, I could see this going any, uh, either way. I think Miami's going to win 20-17. to 17. I think a late defensive stand is what's going to make the difference. But like I said, honestly, I, I could see this going either way. I kind of conc- I kind of concur in that I think turnovers and that it could go any way. So really, whoever turns the ball over the most, I think is going to win this game. So whichever quarterback can kind of keep contain and not kind of blow the game himself. So I think Alex Hornibrook can get the start. So if he can come out there and not turn the ball over, or Williams cannot take sacks, then I think either team, whichever quarterback does that, their team will win. But I kind of I think I'm going to take Florida State just by a hair as well, just because. I think the home field advantage and the defense plays for Florida State plays a lot better at home as well. So I think they'll be more composed, and the offense will get something going with Cam Akers eventually, like or Tamari Ontario. I think one big play will make the difference, and I say maybe twenty four, twenty one, maybe twenty seven, twenty four at most. Yeah, I mean, on, on, honestly, I wouldn't be shocked either way. Uh, these teams really find a way to make it close to each other. It's it's uh, 
the biggest driver of the season for Miami. It's definitely up there for Florida State as well. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see it come down to uh, the triple zeros on the clock. I think it's going to be a good one. For sure, for sure. Well, Dylan, just tell my audience real quick where they can find you and how can they can follow you on social media. Okay, so, uh, uh, guys, you can follow me uh, at Dylan Kane's fan on Twitter. Uh, I write for uh, State of the U, which is the SB Nation blog covering the hurricane. So uh, I have uh, all my articles up there. I'm going to be sharing and promoting my articles again on my Twitter at Dylan Kane's fan. Uh, so that's where you can find all my stuff. Excellent. Sounds great. Thank you so much, Dylan. And that'll wrap up this week's episode of the Believe in FSU Football Podcast. Please remember to like and subscribe the show and follow me on Twitter at underscore Chris Sharp underscore. And as always, go Knowles. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.